Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of 410 Sports Talk. I'm James Haskell, along with my co-host Glenn Martin, as always, and DK in the background here on a Tuesday night. Glenn, uh, Tuesday night is generally a, flect- uh, 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 a therapeutic night for us, I feel like, because we reflect on the past, but then we mm-hmm. end up generally being excited about the future. Yeah, yeah, turning the page. And look, this was not an easy weekend for the Ravens. Not only did they lose to you know, a Colts team that I think the Ravens are better than, but also everyone else in the AFC North won, which is yep. just as bad as it could get for the Ravens. I mean, even, uh, you know, the, the Joey Burrow was able to to gut it out and, and muscle through a Monday night performance and get the win there too. So, yeah, not, not a weekend that the Ravens would have wanted to take a loss if you have to take one with the entire rest of the division winning, but an opportunity to bounce back with a division game on the horizon. So yeah, like you said, we're going to take the time to uh, kind of turn the page on this past week, talk about what went wrong, talk about the state of the team right now with the injuries. We got yeah. uh, we got a, a new addition on the way. Um, of course, we're going to have uh, our weekly visit from Cole Jackson, who is our resident film guru. You can follow over at Road Graders on YouTube. But yeah, it's a lot to get into, Jimbo. I think it's like you mentioned when you talk uh, before the show, Harbaugh looked pretty like a little little agitated as he usually does the week after a loss. Yeah. Yeah. Generally that's how it goes. And uh, I don't expect that to change at this point in his life. <laughs> no. Uh, so uh, it might get worse as he gets older. Yeah. You know, the, the long winded stuff you're getting from us this week, guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably not too much for John, but we do have some news to talk about um, yeah. as the mosquitoes are absolutely tearing me up. Um, and that is the, uh, the signing of one Kyle Van Oy potentially the only cougar that i like um cougar as in byu um uh but uh no i i I like kyle vanoy and i'm what do you got against cougars bruh (laughs) yeah (laughs) well when they got byu in front of them okay okay got a problem with them uh but uh doesn't take too much just three letters (laughs) i'm already agitated so uh, ultimately, though, I'm, I'm really excited about this signing, and, and I think he's really going to help this team. It's crazy to think, though, Glenn, that we are going into week four, and our outside linebacker are, – are, if you start two outside linebackers in this coming game, it has potential to be two guys that weren't on the roster or even really on the radar that much. I know there was some scuttlebutt around Kyle, but you know, think about we had Adafe and Ajabo or even Bowser, and now all of a sudden it's like – Clowney and 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 Van Noy, right? It's just a totally different scene. I mean, I guess that's how it goes in the NFL, but just kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, I think the Ravens are fortunate to get, you know, Van Noy in addition to when they got Clowney. Uh, because yeah, you're right. It's like, man, if you would have told me, say, week one of the preseason that that starting week three outside linebackers would be Jadevion Clowney and Kyle Van Noy, what are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, like, maybe Justin Houston, maybe, you know, but but certainly not. These two guys, but obviously been really happy what we've seen from Clowney. So hopefully Van Noy will look just as good as Jadeveon has looked since he's been here. Uh, but obviously he's a versatile player, Jimbo. He's a guy who who can cover. Uh, he can get after the passer. I think he's got five straight seasons with at least five or more sacks, um, but also can do the Bowser role with dropping into coverage and, and can help with that. So not only does this uh, add depth, but Jimbo, I hate to say it, but I think it it tells me that maybe Adafe's a little further out than we're hoping for, and maybe Ajabo is also going to be out for a little while, and maybe Tyus Bowser's not going to be ready anytime soon. I mean, 
Unfortunately, I, yeah, I'm happy they're bringing in Cal Van Noy, but I think that means we're not going to see these other guys for quite some time. You know what the crazy part, part about all of that is, Glenn? What's that? I don't care. What? I don't care that much. Like, what? Adafi's yeah. been playing. He was playing he has, well. He has, but I think Clowney has, has been playing just as well. And to me, I'm not too psyched about the other guys. Like, I don't know. I feel like right now for this year, for at least the next four to six games, I'm okay having a vet there, right? Now, Clowney needs to stay healthy and continue to produce. You're right. I'm not saying that Adafi hasn't been producing. He's been playing well, but it's not like it's been a revelation. You know what I mean? Adafi's played well. I, you know, I, can't, yeah. I, can't, I can't disregard him, but he still has zero sacks. Right. Does he have zero? Zero. Yeah, he zero. He's got two zeros in each of his names. Adafe Owe, and he's got zero in his stat sheet. Like triple zero. Oh, here. man. Like, well, I mean, look, I, I think what it does also is it it's now, like you said, making us rely on a guy in Kyle Van Noy who hasn't mm-hmm. participated in any training camp, any preseason. So I, I think it's mm-hmm. also, like, worrisome that, like, oh, no. I mean, is, Va- yeah, is Van Noy going to be able to hold up for an entire right. game? And, look, they have Jeremiah Moon, who's a practice squad guy, and they got Tavius Robinson, who's young and raw. But, man, I don't know, man. I'd like to see, even just from a depth, like to give these guys a little bit of a break where the, the drop-off isn't as steep, you know, from as it might be from Van Noy down to Atavius Robinson at this point in his career. Man, I, I'm, I'm nervous about the state of the outside linebacker room, even with a banged-up Browns team coming into town who don't have Nick Chubb running the ball for him. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Jimbo. <laughs> Either Jimbo's frozen or he's just so furious at what I said that he's just close. Oh, there we go. I'm back. back. Okay, here we go. Yeah, no, I understand your point, but uh, I don't know. I just, I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see something different is ultimately, I guess what I'm trying to say. Like, just to see what Kyle Van Noy can do. He's a proven vet and uh, we've been relying on our young guys for a while and it's been fun, but uh, I'm excited to kind of mix it up a little bit. Um, Sean Pisker says, evening boys, I've digested this loss and moved on. (laughs) <laughs> in and out he's digested it all the way through the digestive tract and it is out the toilet gone right in the crapper especially when i think about how many things had to go wrong for them to lose yeah also positive to think most of our injuries i don't think are season ending good timing yeah, uh, uh, we're hurting here, Jimbo. uh that it was kind of it was kind of on your no it was kind of on your mind can you hear me yeah now i can yeah you were all kind of breaking up all right all it's it adds to the effect that it froze with your mouth wide open in the roaring. I mean, yeah, Jimbo's Jimbo's having some issues, so I'm just going to talk about Sean's comment here. I, look, Sean, you're you're like every fan. You're emotional when we lose. You want people fired. You want guys cut. You want new guys brought in. Oh, okay, all right, Jimbo. I don't know what that noise was, but it was awfully noisy. Um. There we go. Okay, here we are. And and but also to Sean's point, yeah, most of these injuries aren't thought to be season ending, but we we still don't know because of the tight lipped nature of John Harbaugh if these could be still weeks out, and that's still a scary proposition. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Cole on the spot when we get him in here, Jimbo, because he tweeted and he's been on point lately with his predictions about when guys are coming back and are, are gonna be able to help out, and he tweeted reinforcements are coming with the big eye emojis. Now he didn't clarify as he tends to not, uh, 
But he's been right on all his predictions. He said that the Mark Andrews would play in week two. He said, I mean, well before it was expected. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna you know put him right on the spot and ask Cole his opinion. Uh, because yeah, maybe we are getting some of these guys back. I think OBJ is rumored that he might be on his way back. I don't know, but we need something to happen now in corresponding moves to the wide receiver core. Speaking of that, uh, let's see. We saw that Rashad Bateman had a hamstring injury at the end of last game. Uh, and so the Ravens had have signed Dante Demas to the practice squad. In addition to, oh man, I'm, I'm cycling through here. I know it wasn't, uh, I know it wasn't our guy. Um, our guy Prochet, I think he's on the practice, or he's, he's he's working out for the Steelers, man. Oh man, James Prochet working out for the Steelers. But the Ravens have signed Demas, and who else is it? Help me out. Okay, you're pointing at something. Tariq James Black. Tariq Black. Okay, there we go. He's back. All right, Jimbo, changing locations. Right. I see. Am I all right? Yeah, you sound Holy good. Holy day, dude. Yeah. Um, okay. So Tariq, well, Black but I was listening to you with what you were saying, though. Okay, I so was able Tariq, to hear you. I just yeah, they 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 brought in some reinforcements, so they still have. Let's not forget James or uh, Laquan Treadwell's in the practice squad. He could he could certainly be elevated game day if Bateman's not available and OBJ isn't back. Uh, but they also now have Demas available, who knows the playbook, and Tariq Black, who knows the playbook. Interestingly enough, they did not bring back James Prochet, and he's now working out for the Steelers. I don't know if he's. If this was his choice and that he thought maybe there was a better avenue for to get on the field through Pittsburgh or whatnot, but it looks like those two guys uh, are, are back instead of James Prochet, so good for them. Jimbo looks like he's still having some internet issues. Uh, let's see. Massey says, 48 hours later, what annoys you the most about defeat at, now that you've reflected on it more? Well, uh, to me, it's it's the last two possessions. You know, after you get the the safety and you get the the kick, it's like, look, I know there was some confusion. Now I'm hearing it with the clock in the stadium versus what we were seeing on the on the broadcast feed, and that when Zay Flowers was initially running down the field to return that punt, it was under his understanding it was a minute fifty eight was left on the clock. Then they changed it to two o three, and it wasn't relayed to him to kill the that that time. But either way, either way. You get the ball to two, on two occasions in overtime, and, and you can't get inside you know, in the range of the greatest kicker of all time. It just blows my mind. I mean, there was occasions where they got to midfield twice and weren't able to get that extra 10 yards, which was all that was needed, and it was a failure of, of all of them. I can't wait to have Cole Jackson on in a little bit because he's going to he did a really good job of breaking down really what happened to the Ravens on that final, those final two drives where they seemingly couldn't move the ball after. Uh, it, it, I was just frustrated. After getting there quite quickly, they all of a sudden were hitting the brick wall. Jimbo, how you doing? What's going on? You look miserable. It's just the internet. You're yeah, I am. crazy. I am miserable. Mm-hmm. I literally want to punch a hole in the wall right now. Well, don't do that, dude. Just, don't do that. Yeah, it's infuriating. You know what I'm saying, though? Sometimes things just get under your skin, you know? Yeah. But I just wanted to say one thing. I wanted to go way back okay. just for a second because yeah. it's been on my mind. Sean, back. I just want to give you a friendly reminder that Justin Tucker had to be the fail point for us, ultimately. I'll rest our fate on the leg of Justin Tucker, 999, 999,000 yep. times out of a million. 
So there we go. Let's not forget that uh, you know Justin Tucker he hits that we win that game. So um, yeah. Anyway, I heard He's all the stuff you're good. saying. I'm still working on this whole thing. Um, yeah, exactly. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, I understand. Uh, yeah, Rip, Rip Brooks Robinson. It's a bummer, but uh, like Glenn said, I mean, he lived a lived a great life. He's a great O. He'll have a statue forever. And uh, he's, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's my mom's favorite Raven. A oh, Raven. Look at me. Favorite Oriole. And um, yeah, Van Oy. Oh. It's, pr- it's pretty bad, Jimbo. Let's see what we can do. Gosh. Damn. Uh, it's uh, yeah, he's still struggling. But yeah, now R.I.P. to to Brooks. I mean, look, he's a little before my time, but. I mean, you just ask any older baseball fan uh, of the Orioles or in the Baltimore area, and they'll tell you all you need to hear about. I mean, obviously, great player, but I think what set him apart was the kind of guy he was and and how he treated those around him. So, um, yeah, it was rough watching Jim Palmer talk about it. Got choked up. Uh, but, yeah, tough tough to see, but lived a long, healthy life. 86 years old. Uh, so, shout to Brooksy. A lot of people named Brooks in this area because of that guy. So, uh, pretty cool. Ravens O's Nation says, shout out live from the O's game. Go O's, go Ravens. Yeah, up one nothing in the seventh. Sharpening up the tools before a postseason run that, man, fans are excited for. I mean, holy, our fans waiting for this Orioles run. It's been a long time coming. Absolutely excited to, uh, to see. And Bradish is looking top form. Seven innings shutout ball right now. He's looking good. Um yeah, so shout out to Ravens O's Nation. Sean Pisker. Also, side note, did Trenton Simpson fall at the face of the earth? Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see him getting very little work. Now, look, he's undersized to play outside linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens. He's a smaller guy. To ask him to to set the edge in the run game is a tall task when when you're when you're talking about a guy who's going to be well undersized, uh, going up against tackles, pulling guards, even tight ends. He's going to be given up, you know, quite a bit of weight and poundage here. So I, I just wonder if they're trying to find, you know, really where they're going to put him. Maybe he is envisioned to be the Patrick Queen replacement for next year. And, and of course, with the way Patrick Queen's playing right now, there's no getting him off the field uh, and putting Trenton, Trenton Simpson on the field. So maybe maybe it's just, hey, wait your turn. He's a young guy. He's still got a lot to learn. But as far as him being asked to, to play a – and every down or certainly an early down roll in the edge is, uh, I think, a, a lot to ask from him at his size. But let's see. Laura Roten says, hey, guys, I'm really late to the b- uh, ball game. I don't know what you've been over yet, but wondering what your thoughts are on playing the Browns this week. It makes me nervous because of their number one defense. Yeah, it's, it, they've been tough this year. Miles Garrett, I mean, this dude is giving nightmares to offensive coordinators and offensive linemen. I mean. I don't know if you guys have saw the clip, but they were chasing Miles Garrett with multiple tight ends where the tight ends are going in motion to the left. Miles Garrett gets up and walks over to the right. They come back in motion to the right. He gets up and goes to the left, and they try, they're just chasing each other. I mean, this guy, man, I, I kind of feel bad for a guy, a guy like Patrick McCarry this week, um, knowing what he's he's got in for him. It's going to be tough, but look. Hey, the Ravens can do it, man. They, they 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 absolutely could get it done. They dealt with a fierce pass rush in uh in Cincinnati and and it came out of there with zero sacks allowed. So Laura, I'm nervous as well. This is a heck of a defense they're playing, but look, the Ravens are pretty good too. And if they just stop shooting themselves in the foot like they did last week over and over again, 
Uh, I think they'll be just fine. And look, we're going to get into that Browns matchup this Friday. Uh, we'll have a guest on from Cleveland to represent uh, their side of the matchup. But yeah, we uh, it's going to be a big game. It's a, certainly a game that's made bigger by the loss to Indy uh, and the fact that Cleveland's playing so well. Yeah, you got to give them credit. Uh, Deshaun Watson, don't like the guy, but he played well when they needed him to most last week after Nick Chubb going down. And um, yeah, Ford had two touchdowns, Chubb's backup, but it looked a whole lot different than when Nick Chubb was in there. I think it's pretty obvious, and that's not revolution revolutionary to say. Well, looks like I'm going to be doing this one uh, solo for a little while as Jimbo Slimbo is still working. I think he's climbing the pole right now. He's got wires over one army. He's got a hard hat on because safety first. Uh, but I got Jimbo scaling it right now. Up. Oh, speaking of Jimbo, back in there. <laughs> Just looking frustrated, bro. It's all right, man. Gosh, just annoying. There we go. Thank you, DK. I'm I'm on my phone right now. If it cuts out again, please let me know. Hey, it's I've better. Resor so I've resorted far. to my phone. Yeah, well, it's working well. So okay. Uh, Murtaz Malik says, "Do you think Bautista comes back for the playoffs?" I tell you what, I am not letting myself get excited. But at the same time, I keep seeing these damn clips of him throwing off the mound today, and I heard that glove popping when that fastball was hitting. So it sounds like they're – I don't know what they have up their sleeve, and again, I'm not counting on anything, but I'm seeing what you guys are seeing on Twitter as well, and it's exciting, absolutely exciting. Mm, that is exciting. Nothing like the old sound of a good, uh, good pop of the glove. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I just want to say – did anyone I, were you already talking about this King Dan guy that was talking about the Ravens? Uh, it's funny that that he was talking about the King Dan talks about uh, seems to be a little bit of a troll, but he's talking about the Ravens players' choice in women instead of talking about his quarterback, which I thought was pretty ironic um, and and kind of uh, kind of kind of comical to me. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, it'll be it'll it'll be uh, real fun to uh, yeah. I mean, is this a Browns it, fan? Yeah, and he's talking they about have fans. You know, they have people that are masochists, I guess, is at this point. Wait, the Cleveland is, right? Browns have fans? Hey, man, they ride They ride with Mashawn Watson. They ride with Mashawn. No, I, I thought, I mean, I know they have people who live in the city of Cleveland, but holy, they're fans of the Browns? Yeah, I had no Will, idea. Um, yeah, maybe he's the one. We got the one. We got the one in here. Man, I feel bad for him, dude. Holy. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Could you imagine? No, seriously, though. Could you imagine being a Browns fan? Like, just no. misery. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, just never, Every year. ever, ever winning ever anything. Yeah, do you remember? I mean, think about how we felt this whole week after we lost, and imagine that for the last 19 years. Yeah, just every week. Yeah, that's brutal. Dude. Sheer um, disappointment. <laughs> just every single week, every single year, just oh man. Um, but yeah, yeah it's uh, but I, I gotta, I gotta, um, <clears throat> I gotta say, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned with. I saw a statistic, Jimbo, that showed that, you know, I know that this team was moving to the run, uh, to to a more pass centric offense, and and but they they also mentioned they didn't want to stop. You know, they, they, they want to avoid their identity or get away from their identity, which is a run, a, a, you know, a strong defense, a good run game. You know, you got to be able to control the line of scrimmage. 
but I saw 21% of their runs this year, Jimbo, have gone for zero or negative yards. Ouch. That is such a high number. Like, that yeah. just blows my mind. Now, I know they've had some big gains, too. They've had some successful runs. But when I saw that number, Jimbo, it got me thinking, like, back to 2019 when we never, ever had a negative run. And then you come out and, a, a, you know, one out of every, what, five or is – I mean, that's that's shocking. Yeah, that is shocking. I would have bet against that statistic being true just because of – you know, one, Lamar Jackson is always going to be our one of our leading ball carriers, and he always has an incredible yards per carry average. And you add Gus into that as well. So you start to think, man, how could 21% of our, our carries be for zero or negative yards with guys like that that are carrying the football? Uh, that is a little scary. I mean, I don't know how much of that you, you can say it's, it's the system or how much of that is simply the offensive line. Just not getting it done, or, or the runners not having the vision. I'm interested to see Cole's thoughts too, but uh, I have to guess that that number improves over the years, or excuse me, over the year, the, the course of this season, um, especially if Gus is going to stay healthy and we get a guy like Tyler and uh, even Ronnie back. I'm, I'm hopeful that that, because at this point, two out of three of those games, right? I understand this correctly, two out of three of those games, so, you know, 66% of those games. Ronnie and Tyler Linderbaum haven't been in. I think that 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 makes a big impact on the running game as well. Oh, I mean, absolutely. But I mean, whole uh, it, that's still rough. Regardless, still rough. I mean, now look, this is not. Uh, I I, I want to clarify. I'm going to put the graphic that I sh- saw up now, but I want to clarify. It's running backs, not. So this doesn't include when Lamar oh, takes okay. off. Okay. But still, fair. Then that's fair. Okay. But still, yeah. I mean, that is still zero. I mean, you can see. And there's teams certainly like Philly, yeah. it should, should be no surprise, who have you know what's known to be the best offensive line in football. Only 5% of their runs do so. So that's still way too high of a number for me, 21%. Yeah. Jimbo? So we, are, we, are we like smack dab in the middle? We're a little above, like we're – no, we're higher than the middle. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty I mean, rough. I'm just surprised from a Ravens team to ever see that number yeah. that high. I agree. Something we've got to work on. We've got to figure this thing out. I mean, look, ultimately I'm giving some grace to Munkin and this team as an offense, giving them some time to, to yeah, work I mean, this thing out. Part of it was like when they went when they went heavy last week, they made it so incredibly obvious like that they were running the ball that the team, I don't know if you noticed, like, but when they brought Falele in as the extra tackle, the Colts put 10 guys in the box, Jimbo. 10. There's only yeah. 11 guys on the field. They put 10 of them yeah. in the box because we made it so damn obvious that we were running. I'd just like us to see to see us be a little more deceptive when we are going to run and not just be so obvious. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, you know, week 12 in a major point of the game, Falele is going to make a catch. You realize that, right? Is this all setting it up for that? Is that what it is? Oh, dude, go back and look at his old tape. Kid's a rugby player. He's got hands. It's true. He's got some hands. I'm saying. That's true. Uh, Munkin's no idiot. Munkin's no idiot. Yeah. We'll see. But either way, you're right. I mean, it was ridiculously telegraphed, right? Especially the second time in a row. Come on. Yeah, they made it pretty uh, Laura obvious. Roten, yeah, Laura Roten says, Deshaun Watson sucks. I don't think he is good at all, to be quite frank, and his moral ethic is horrific on top of it. I mean, yeah, all of it, right? I don't think he's a great football player, and I think he's a worse human being. 
I do believe in redemption, obviously, as a religious man myself, but I'm not here to... Uh... It was so many, though, Jimbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'm not... So I'm many. Not, yeah, I'm not the one that's going to provide him with any type of redemption. So, like... No. You know what I mean? I'm in the wrong I, place. I'm, yeah, he's definitely not a raven. Yeah. No, no, he will yeah. never be... No, definitely not. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that... They gave him all that money because I think it's a waste of their money. Uh, and I think it's not going to lead to any any big time success. So that's a very Cleveland Browns thing to do, if you ask me. Alara goes on right. to say their defense makes me nervous. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They're they're really they've been really good this year, but well, I want to talk about this real quick. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Their corners, they have uh, Denzel Ward, and I, who's their other corner? I, can't, I was just talking about this, and now I'm blanking on his name. But um, Ward is – I was going to say – He's a junior, right? He's a junior. Uh, what's his yeah, name? Yeah, gosh dang see, it. I'm pulling it up now. He's another draft pick, though, um, if I remember correctly. Here we go. I got it up now. So, yeah, they have, of course, Denzel Ward, who's their stud, and yep. then uh, Greg Newsom the second. So, yeah, he was a junior. Now yeah. he's a second. Yeah. New yeah, Newsom went to – was he TCU or was he Washington? He's one of those two, wasn't I think he? He was Washington, if I remember correctly. Washington. I get him confused because of a similar color scheme. My point is that if I'm not mistaken, I haven't watched a ton of Cleveland Browns, but I did watch the Monday night game. Um, and what I know about Ward is that – Ward, at least, I think of I think of him really thriving in a man scenario, like a man defense instead of a zone. I feel like he's a really good man coverage guy. Mm -hmm. And – if you think about what type of a defense, if I'm a defensive coordinator, just me, I'm not a defensive coordinator. The last thing I want to do is play man against a guy like Lamar Jackson and exclude, you know, and, and heavy man, because I feel like you leave some massive lanes open. If one of your, you know, if the guy that's man is Lamar Jackson misses, that's a serious problem, right? Because then you don't have guys covering areas. You have guys covering men who are 40, 50 yards down the field, right? 30, 20, whatever. My point is that, I think that, you know, Cole kind of talked about, I could be totally wrong off this. It's just my initial analysis. And of course, we'll break this down later in the week. My thought is that uh, I feel like there are some things we do offensively that, you know, styles make fights. And I was concerned about the Cincinnati game with the power rush and the things like that with the new offensive line coming out there. I don't have that concern with their defense. I'm, I'm not crazy nervous about it. Hmm. And they're also the Browns. Yeah, they are the Browns. But I, you know, Zedarius and Miles, they got me nervous. Serious pass right. You're right. I mean, those boys they are. Got me. Yeah, they can, they can, uh, and then, you know, they can run at linebacker, you know, which makes yep. you nervous about Lamar. And he, you know, I think he was injured by KOA once when he was yep. trying to escape the pocket. So, yep. um, yeah, that kind of always makes me a little bit nervous, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun game, man. Either way, look, I, I think what we've learned from the last or uh, first three weeks is that, if the Ravens show up, they can look really good. And if they and shoot themselves in the foot, they can look really, uh, really bad. Excuse me. Um, so let's just hope that they show up. And let's hope that they get maybe some reinforcements. I'm not expecting them to get everybody back. I mean, that's pretty clear. But one guy, can they get, like, OBJ? Like, uh, Can I ask you a question about this? Mar yeah, go ahead. Can I ask you a question about OBJ? These are not mm -hmm. accusations. I want to make this clear, okay, about who he is as a person. I don't know him. But for me, as I'm just thinking about who I am, right? 
I think it's impossible if we're all being honest to know if you already got 95% of your money in that check and that, and that yearly, you know, that, that 15 out of 18 million is already guaranteed or whatever ended up being to sit back and be like, man, I really need to think about me before I get my, so I can get my next paycheck. Right. Like, mm-hmm. do, do you know what I'm saying? So like that, that gets me just a little bummed out to think like that has to be in every human's head. Think, all right, I got to play this right. I don't need to rush back. I need to make sure I protect me, which I get. That's all like sensible things to do. But it also like bumps me out to think, dang, I think he's going to be extra precautious about the ankle. Yeah. I get it. I just want to back out too. on the field. Yeah. You know, I yeah, just want to back and, out and, on the it, field. And I would I would be too, Jim, but, but also say that he also knows that the better he plays, the more the more money he'll make in his next deal. So I think right. there there is a balance to what he has to do. But ultimately, I just want him to be healthy and out there because if he's not healthy, I'd rather him sit because uh I don't I don't want to see I don't want to see him out there 80% and then worsen that, that injury or get a different injury because he's compensating. Uh-uh. Nope. I don't want to do that. Yeah, now one the, the, bit. the only the only guy I want back is can we? I said it. Can we get Marlon Humphrey back on the football field, please? Be nice. It'd be nice. What is happening? With, uh, We've heard. No, have you heard anything about Marlon? Nothing. Even though he's always on his podcast talking, um, but he hasn't given us much. Uh, we did hear. We did see a tweet from our Darius. Looks like he got surgery today. Um, so yeah. Shout out to our Darius. Um, I guess it's 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 a season long ender. Even though they haven't even really said that they're kind of the tight lipness of the or or the ravens is kind of frustrating at times and i think we're at that time right now oh oh hello hello we got the yappers (laughs) i love jay's face uh it is it is awesome i love to see it so frustrated so much just got the mute button on yeah, hey, I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping Cole's gonna be joining us here in any minute here. DK, maybe if you could send him a message, see if uh, see if the, uh, I know you know sometimes he gets hung up with the little ones, but um, but Jimbo, so you're not ready to jump? Okay, something. Go ahead. Broke. Sorry, uh, yeah, you're not mess. you're not uh, you're not ready to jump off the Justin Tucker bandwagon because I saw someone say I saw someone say in our comments section uh, after the last game that. He was there at the game. The, sh- the kick would have been short from 51, he said. And he said he thinks this is the slow, the start of a slow decline from Justin Tucker's leg strength. Yeah, right. That's ridiculous. That's absolute. That's asinine. Like, <laughs> I don't understand that at all. I just don't. I don't get that theory. The guy, what was it? Uh, in the Cincinnati game, he hit a 70-plus yarder in warm-ups. Did it happen? Did, was it just a precipitous drop in seven days? Now, well, just... look, I, 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 I will say this, Jimbo, to help to kind of further your point. Justin Tucker from 60 plus is two for nine. The next nine most accurate kickers combined from 60 plus are two for seven. So, yeah, so he's doing okay. He's doing pretty good. You know, he's yeah, no, he's fine. Good. Plus, if some if for some reason his leg strength is weakening, just get in the gym. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? It's just, get I don't the gym. get Or get like, it closer for crying out loud. How right? about the offense get like, the ball a little guy, closer? Yeah, this is this is the same thing. This happens with Steph Curry, misses it from the logo, and people are like, oh, Steph is losing it. He missed it from 45 feet. 
Yeah, I know. Steph missed it for 45. whoop de doo Like, no put it at 30 feet. And, and see, yeah. Yeah, if you put Steph at 30 feet compared to everyone else, it's not even fair. You know? So, yeah, I don't, you can't blame anything on Justin Tucker. Now, Justin Tucker will take blame upon himself. But the team has no reason to put any blame on Justin Tucker, in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Now, one guy who didn't get any blame, who deserves no blame, uh, Kyle Hamilton had yeah. his coming out party, I think, to to some people who, who were still kind of letting him fly under the radar a little bit. Jadeveon Clowney was asked about Kyle Hamilton's performance, and he said he calls him the avatar. A six-foot-four <laughs> safety who can run, who can hit. He says, I like playing with him. He's a smart guy, and he's going to bring it. I mean, how how impressed were you with, with, with what you saw out of Kyle Hamilton? I mean, it, it's 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 the full package that he brings. It's like where this guy is 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 effective. It seemed like no matter where you put him, but it looks like he might be best down near the line of scrimmage. Yeah, it's crazy to me. I mean, he's just – so in college he looked physical, but my, all, my concern about Kyle was always the – he had this big background in basketball, right? And we all know, Glenn, Glenn, guys that play exclusively, like they exclusively play basketball, not the biggest fans of physicality. No. You know, especially, anyway. So I, I worried a bit about his excitement. And, and you talk about this, like playing even the middle linebacker position, you have to welcome and embrace physicality. But like mm-hmm. Kyle thrives in it. He loves it. He welcomes it. And he, man, I mean, just... The dude, when he tackles you, you're going down. Mm-hmm. And he's excited about it. He gets juiced by it. Yeah, so I love it. I'm, I'm so excited to continue to see the progression of Kyle Hamilton. That is definitely one absolute bright spot from this game we can take away. Uh, I'm looking forward to see how they continue to create different ways around what he can do for him to impact the game. This game, it was pressuring the quarterback. And just like you said, playing around the line of scrimmage. But I think there will be other ways that McDonald will continue to deploy deploy his his skill set in a way that uh, is very impactful to the game. Now, mm. uh, Sean Pisker says, "I remember after the Miami game last year, I was calling him a bust. Man, was I wrong? Dude's a stud." Sean, trust me, man. There was a lot of people worried and concerned and and ready to go there. Um, was it the Miami game that he got froze in the in the end zone? I know he looked bad. And he got benched. Yeah, but look, I mean, you can either. You can either win or you can learn, right? That's really up to yeah, you. I mean, there so there you go. Yeah. So it's he just learned. Yeah, yeah. He learned. He learned. He learned a lot that day. And That's right. it certainly looks like, uh, you know, he. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. You all right, Jimbo? Uh oh. I'm here. I'm here. I don't know. Okay. Here. There we go. All right. There we go. Okay. I'm here. Right. I'm here. All right. I didn't know if I, I couldn't tell if I was cutting you off. Or, or what was going on. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Kyle Hamilton looks like he's going to be a stud here for, for many years to come. Also, you know, is, is, again, we bashed on the team. We were rough on the team in a lot of areas. But I do want to take some time to give some celebrations. Why we talked about Kyle Hamilton. Now I want to talk about the linebackers. I thought Pat Queen and, and, and Roquan Smith were back to top form. I mean, Pat Queen's really played played exceptional football all year. I watched a, another play that Cole broke down. I'm, I, I, man, I hope everything's okay. It kind of disappointed he's not on here yet, but he broke down a play where, um, basically it was a motion pre-snap, and and it it caused Roquan and and Pat Queen to kind of have to switch their responsibilities on the fly. Oh yeah, and it, it, and it led to a Roquan 
pass breakup. And it's just, man, I mean, these guys are so in tune with each other from across the field. They can they can make calls, make changes, react on this in the split second. Uh, because as you know, I mean, if you if you're a split second behind, a split second late in this league, a guy's wide open. So it's it's just amazing how good those two guys are at playing next to each other. It's going to be a shame, man, because there's no way the Ravens are going to be able to afford both these guys, and it's going to be a real shame to have to watch Pat Queen leave because he is having a fantastic season, and I think he's just going to keep getting better all year. Yeah, hasn't he had double-digit sacks every game? Double-digit tackles, I, yeah. Or, excuse me, wow, double-digit sacks would be insane. That would be Double-digit tackles, yeah, I, every game. I mean, he's got to be on pace to have the most tackles of the year, and, yeah, their communication, they have – a synergy right between them that exists that has just been really incredible to watch where they're mutually benefit benefiting one another now. Um, and it's exciting. I know that, like you said, most likely he's going to be out of here next year. And I think that that's also the case, but who knows what type of deal he could be certainly just playing himself out of, out of any contention of staying here with Baltimore, but you just never know what's going to happen. You just never do. So, you know, you keep your hopes up and maybe he hangs around Loves playing with Roquan. He's got his good buddy, but, I also get not wanting to turn down a bag. I mean, I wouldn't expect him to do that either. So, um, as Modus and Otis says, Marlon is having a McChicken. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a big fan. You know what? I'm just going to skip the comment I was about to say. No? I'm just going to move on from it. Nope, I'm not going to say it. All right. I'm not going to say it. This is a mature version of Jimbo. This is. This is. He's very mature. But hey, I'm gonna, I want to ask you, and this is uh, well, I'll, I'll ask you after Laura's comment here. It's kind of a big, big uh, question I'm about to throw on you. So I'll uh, I'll start with Laura's comment. She said, "I love Lamar playing the press conference uh, when he did the sideways smile about his throws." Yeah, a little little smirk, you know, a little. Uh, look, I lo- I love Lamar Jackson. He didn't have the best game, but also if, if you really look at the tape. He didn't get a lot. He he got he didn't get a lot of help in those big times where it looked like he had he had terrible plays. It was really a breakdown all around him. It wasn't necessarily you know all on him. He didn't play it perfectly those couple plays, especially the 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 ones where he turned the ball over or, or had the uh, the sack that you just can't take. It was a failure all around him. But Jimbo, I kind of want to ask you about. Do you ever see it being like? Do you think it'll always be the case where? you can't have honest conversations about Lamar Jackson and his play. And that anytime you bring up anything in a form of that might be considered a criticism or a, or a critique that you're a, you're a basher or you, you don't like, like, do you, do you see another player where it's so polarizing where you, you can't make any comment or you're a basher? Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's, polarizing player in the NFL? I think that's a great question, Glenn. Uh, you know, it's funny because I have my fair students with uh, talking to people about uh, polarizing things. Oh, what's going on here? Oh, no. No. <laughs> I hear you, Jimbo. And they didn't like it. No, I heard it's you, Jimbo. Oh. oh, man. Man, I wish I, I I wish we could hear the insight from Jimbo Slimbo, but uh, as you can see, we can still hear you though, Jimmy. If you can hear me, oh man, I'm so disappointed. There we go. Okay, 
but it, it's just frustrating because you know it just seems like if you make any comment you know uh, about him that you know you, but i will say when you look at the film and not just the broadcast view uh, even that in completion and i just wish cole was on here because he did such a good job of breaking down that was a that was a group failure first of all it wasn't a great play call he runs a four verticals we only need 10 yards he runs four verticals uh, with maybe a deep hook route that's like a fifteen or ten or fifteen yard hook route that just took too long to develop, the offensive line did not do a good job of picking up a blitz that looked like a three man rush turned into a six man rush. Mark Andrews, who his guy was the blitzer, and the entire middle of the field vacated when all those guys came after Lamar. Mark Andrews never turned his head. He continued to run up the seam, did not look for the ball. Lamar Jackson literally had nowhere to throw the ball. All four guys were running stretch routes. Nobody looked back at any point for him to throw the ball hot. So he he couldn't get rid of the ball. And now when he was scrambling to the left, may, yeah, maybe at that point, or even with Mark not looking at him, should he throw it in the back, into the, into the ground and behind his feet? Yeah, he should have. So that it's not like he deserves no blame, but to say, like, there was nobody open. Certainly nowhere for him to go with the ball. I mean, there was a guy open, Mark Andrews, but he wasn't looking for the ball. So even if the ball, if he would have thrown it dead on target, would have hit him in the back in his back, and the, and he would have just been run up the field. So yeah, Lamar Jackson can't take that sack, but I don't think the play should have been called at four verticals with maybe a deep hook somewhere on the right side that just took too long to develop. The offensive line, Kevin Zeitler, to be specific, missed his block, which caused Melvin Gordon to try and slide over who looked terrible trying to pick up the guy that Zeitler mixed, missed because he wasn't truly in position for that guy because he was trying to get in position for the guy he was supposed to be blocking. Mar uh, then Mark Andrews doesn't look. So it was just a combination of failures, starting with the coaching staff and the play call, and then with the offensive line not picking up the block, then Mark Andrews not recognizing the blitz, and then Lamar Jackson not throwing it in the dirt after he recognized that Mark Andrews wasn't looking. Like it was, it wasn't just one guy. It was a bunch of guys who dropped the ball on the last play, and it was kind of like that for all the bad plays. If you looked at, if you look at the tape, it was one guy or another miss messing up every play. I mean, he, look, on one play, uh, th there would have been a massive, massive hole opened up on the left side. Had had uh, had John Simpson gotten his block? Oh, I'm sorry, that was when Morgan Moses doesn't get his block. It's just like if one guy breaks down in football, that's why they call it the ultimate team sport, especially on the offensive line. If one guy doesn't do his job, it may it can destroy the whole play. And, of course, typically the guys blamed are the guys with the ball in their hands, the running backs or the quarterbacks. But it's not always as simple as it's the guy with the ball's fault. Yep, I agree with you. Sorry, speaking of um, failure on all sides, uh, that's apparently what I'm going through here. Can you hear me okay? I can. Yeah, I can. Okay, awesome. No, I just – can I answer your question real quick, or is that, is that train left the station? No, you can, and then we'll get to no. Chris's comment. Yeah. All right, cool. No, all I was going to say is um, I have a bit of a history of talking to people about polarizing subjects. So um, one of the things I try and do with Lamar is uh, find things that we both like about Lamar and then and then start to weave in things that I might believe that I know they don't believe, which is the only way – the closest I've come to, like – having a true conversation about him because if not, there's, it's just so weird. I don't understand what it is about people hate him or people love him, you know, the style of his game. And, and uh, this is what I'll say about, you talked about the play that went wrong and there were some moments, Lamar didn't have a perfect game, but if you actually look at the tape, 
everyone can say that, or anyone can say that that wants to, but we're also not in contention for that game if Lamar Jackson isn't our quarterback in that game. I firmly believe that because he made plays, those two rushing touchdowns. How many other quarterbacks make those plays? And, and all the other the other times where he was able to use his feet to go, go from a – remember that play where it was a defensive holding and he was tackled in the backfield and mm-hmm. he turns out and he turns that into a first down? Yep. How many times did he turn a negative into a positive in a situation where, let's just say Jared Goff, a guy ranked higher than him in the top 100, would have absolutely got obliterated in the backfield, right? Mm-hmm. And it would have been a punt. Uh, name any other guy that stands back there, right? So, I mean, there's so many situations where – I don't think we would have been in contention in that game with the way other people were playing around him uh, without Lamar Jackson. So I'm not here to say that he's perfect. He needs a lot to improve on. He knows that. But, uh, no, I don't think there's ever going to be a day where people will honestly be able to look at Lamar until his career is over and, and talk about him. And I think it was a lot of like a lot like that with Vic as well. Now, Vic had a whole other dimension to it with the off-the-field stuff that Lamar simply doesn't have. But I think when there's something new, Glenn, people are scared of it. Just is what it is, you know? Yeah, Chris says, terrible play calling. Harbs has too much input. It looked like Greg Roman play calling or calling plays similar to game one. And I think that's an, that's an unverifiable statement. Like I I think it was, it was terrible play calling Chris, but I don't think that's something that you can just say as a fact, right? Because I also don't think Munkin as a vet coach, like dude, Munkin is a G like Munkin isn't just going to sit there and get pushed around. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see how he talks to the media if they get a bit a bit lippy to him. He got a little frustrated, I think it was last week, when he talked about the job of a coordinator. Um, so I don't think he's just gonna sit there and get pushed around. He's 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 gonna he's gonna stand thing and and I you know I think that's how it should be as a coordinator. I don't think I don't think Harbs is in the business of calling plays for the offensive coordinator. I don't think he ever has been, I don't think he will be. Yeah, as far as uh, uh, too much input, like like Jimmy said, who knows what the input was? I mean, I'm sure he does say things like, hey, I'd like to see a run on this or like in that late game situation. Hey, I'd like to see some running plays here. And maybe to to, maybe to that degree, he had input that made us go more conservative than Munkin may have wanted to. We but we don't we have no idea. We have no idea. Absolutely no idea. So, yeah, yeah, I. I don't even know how to, uh, yeah, I don't, oh, Justin, shout out, you know what, I, I messed up, I didn't shout Justin out last game, he was at, he was at the stadium, big Colts fan, um, and look, he was just as surprised as us that they won, I'll say it now, <laughs> because I was talking some crap to him before the game, and he wasn't even talking back, he was laying down and taking it, okay, so look, yeah, they won, they won, Shout out to uh, Grocery Outlet, by the way, owner-operator, Grocery Outlet. Shout out to Justin Maynard. Uh, but, um, look, you know you were damn surprised up in that box, that suite you were in. You know, and like, that's something that really pissed me off. I would have I would have liked it to hear that he was out in the elements. <laughs> this jerk was in a suite, too, so he didn't even have to worry about sitting in the rain. Uh, but, yeah, Justin uh, was there to watch his Colts win. Dang. Yeah, well, we could have lost the worst teams. That's true. Like this team coming up this week. Um, Massey yeah. says, rough power rank- power rankings. Which teams impressed you more than the Ravens, both offense and defense? Uh, well, in, in the AFC, I mean, you got to say the, the Dolphins. I mean, they put up 70 points and set the record yeah. for yards. They had 10 touchdowns offensively, Jimbo. 10. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, and then it's the NFC. Absolutely insane. 
uh, the Cardinals. Cardinals impressed the hell out of me. They destroyed they destroyed the Cowboys. They put up 28 points. That's my team in the NFC. Just Dak being Dak, I guess, right? Dude, Michael Parsons, he just couldn't handle the Josh Dobbs effect. You know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. Marquise uh, Brown had a tutty. Yeah, well, good for Marquise. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, what else we got here? I guess uh, – I guess – Oh yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the the competition winner. Yeah, let's uh, talk about that. Uh, DK, sorry. Wait, just oh, where chat. do you rank the Ravens? Is that what you? Oh, yeah. Where do you rank the Ravens, Jimbo? Because they got us at ten right now. Last power rankings I saw, we dropped four spots. We were sixth, I believe. If I remember correctly. I think correctly. 10's fair. I mean, we had a terrible outing. Like, it's not like we did any ourselves any favors, and we also, you know, we lost a few more guys. I think. 10's okay right now. I, do I think we have a team that's better than top, a top 10 football team? Yeah, I think we have the potential to, to, you know, to make a deep run in the playoffs. But I think right now, as it stands, I think 10 is fair. I can't be mad at it. We just lost to the Colts with a backup quarterback. Yeah, well said. That's yeah, And we're banged up. Yeah. And that, that's got to impact the rankings. You can't yeah. rank the Ravens as if they're uh, healthy. Right. You got to rank not. them as they are, and, and they're pretty beat up right now. But hopefully reinforcements are on the way. Uh, Chris says, then why are we making the same mistakes with different coordinators on both sides of the ball? Well, look, mistakes are going to happen. If you yeah. if you if you look at any team with the with the magnifying glass that you look at your favorite team being the yeah. Ravens, then you're going to see you're going to see shortcomings on every roster on every team. I mean, that's just how it is. Now, the clock management stuff. That's on Harbs. That is yeah. on Harbs. You know that, that. There's no doubt that that's on him. As far as the the play calling, I, I just I can't imagine. I, I can't hang that on the neck of John Harbaugh unless I know for sure that he's in his ear going, "Hey, I need three straight runs on this one, Todd." Because yeah, yeah, yeah. If not, then it's on Todd, or, or it's on. Excuse me, it's on the players for not executing the plays. And I mean, talk to, talk to any coordinator that's worked for John. They'll tell you that one of their favorite things about John is that he gives them the space to be themselves. Yeah. I just don't see that being John's MO or the way that he operates. Just that simple. That's not that's not what he does. Yep. Never has been and once again, he ain't he ain't, he ain't changing it. Just that simple. I think the way that John works with his coordinator, once again, all unverifiable except what John has given us is he's <laughs> talked about giving his guys the space, but really it's just about Okay, tell me about, you know, when you talk to a guy, you sit down with him, you talk about what your schematics are, like what you believe about football, what you believe about offense, right? So um, when we're in this situation, what do you see? And if I don't understand what you see, then tell me why you see that way. I don't think John's against – I think those are the conversations he likes having to get a better understanding of. You know I mean? He's not just simply a dictator, right? It's, just, it's So, Yeah. No, but I, I love Chris White seems like a uh, emotional fan as well. I love it. Yeah, I those are the best ones, man. The best yeah, fans, man. You know? Nothing like an ambivalent fan. Yeah, man. I want a fan who's ready to just throw his jacket away at the end of the game, but yeah. then the next day he's rocking it back out to the store. You know what That's I mean? Right. Now, not the kid that I've seen on social media that goes absolutely insane. We don't need all that. But, I'm not familiar, uh, but. Anyway, he goes absolutely nuts. Does he? Yeah, don't, um, don't do anything too crazy. It's just right, a game. but like you, be upset, you know. Yeah, yeah. Bring your heart to the game, right? Like that's what it's about, man. Absolutely. But let's announce our winner of this week's uh, competition, the fan version, as we all know, and 
expected. Glenn won. Myself, I won the competition this week. Mm-hmm. I don't think that comes as any surprise to mm-hmm. anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's the see. The only thing the- I want to happen is when uh-huh. it's not you next week, just make sure you mention that person as many times as you mention yourself winning. Okay. Look, there's not going to be any other fan, uh, any other players but winning. If, You're if, not winning on, on the accident, the accidental okay. scenario. All that right. There is. Hypothetical. Yeah, okay. It's crazy hypothetical. That's <laughs> wild. Very- <laughs> It's highly unlikely, right? I mean, it just is. But if it's so Ugh, happens to yeah. come to pass. Okay. Got deal. you. Got you. You guys heard it here. Okay. DK did. Sorry, Glenn. You were in the middle of an Dude, How is I it apologize. with the two tiebreakers, including closest to the pin? How could we possibly end with two winners? Yeah. I so need did, to know. DK, did they have the exact... Okay, DK, can we bring you on and you explain this to us? They were the exact Is that okay? wrong. They were wrong the exact amount. Can Is DK right? break this down real quick as the official referee? Is that all right, DK? All right. I can all do right. that. Right. Talk to so, us about how this happened. So we had we only had uh, uh, contestants with three out of four correct, three out of the four uh, over-unders. And then the two that won got the first tiebreaker uh, correct. And then after that, they uh, the correct pin number of yards for the Ravens was 364. And so uh, one of these guys guessed 395, and the other one guessed 333, which is exactly 31 yards from that wow. middle point. <laughs> Dang. It's that just that insane. close, ladies and gentlemen. It gets it's down to close. that granular, and yet we have two winners. Shout uh, out to Brendan Steele, 1147, and Real Black 21. That's right. This week's winners. Guys, don't forget to claim your prize. You simply message us on any of the social media handles you see in the top uh, corner of the screen there, or comment once this live is over. Yeah. But don't yeah. actually, don't comment once this live is over, because then you'll be giving everyone your home address. Uh, yes. So definitely only DM, DM us. us, right? Give us your home address as well as your shirt size, and you'll get some swag. Yeah, and the really cool thing is that, of course, this is brought to you and made possible by our partner, uh, BetUS. Make sure to check out BetUS. They are the absolute OGs in the sports uh, betting scene. The link is in the description. And the really cool thing is that not only do they give you the largest match in deposit at $2,500 being the ceiling, they also add a cherry on top by giving you a 125% match. So that's a complete match, dollar for dollar, plus a quarter for every dollar following that. So go check it out. Bet US. Go with what you know, like Glenn loves to say. I, I, I love that. Stick to your Ravens if that's what you want to do, if you know more than that. But they got prop bets, in-game bets, pre-game bets, in, you know, uh, and then they got uh, season-long bets. Check out all of it. Best US, Bet US is our partner in crime when it comes to uh, – sports gambling so go check it out and uh and have some fun man make yourself some some fun money use your fun money to make some more fun money that's it that's all you gotta do i mean it's just that easy that's right uh yeah i mean i I love i love the props you know i love all the quick stuff you know the little fun i always say this it's more fun to root for overs than it is to root for unders yeah people to play bad yeah, exactly. And that goes literally across all sports. Like you all it's always more fun to root for scores than to root against scores. So yep. I would always say take the over because it's, it's more fun. fun. 
You know, it's it's and and really, no matter what you're doing, player bets, prop bets, full game bets, season bets, take the over, root for the scores, root for victories, whatever it is. Um, and basketball, let me tell you, it's way more fun in basketball. Let me tell yes. you how much it sucks rooting for the under in a basketball game and watching threes just rain, dude. It'll break your heart. It'll rip it right out of your chest. Um, that that being said, uh, we do have Cole Jackson on. We are excited. I, I I will say this. Unfortunately, Glenn, I'm gonna have to leave. You I understand. Again. I understand. I'll take care. Me and Cole. Will I apologize. Hold down the it's fort. been an I've been more of a liability tonight, anyway. Let's be honest, right? <laughs> dude, like, let's just hope you, you that those internet issues are fixed. Ah, it's all good, man. It's all I, good. I appreciate it. So thank you so much. Apologies for the issues. Um, we'll get it worked out. But I had a blast tonight. Appreciate you guys yeah. coming on. As always, Rip Brooks Robinson. Shout out to to his family. Thoughts and prayers go there. Thank you, Cole, for coming on, TK. Thank you so much for all you do. I'm out of here, guys. Great job tonight. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, well, without further ado, from the YouTube channel, Road Graders, our buddy, our guy, friend of the show, Cole Jackson. You guys are going to fire me soon. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on, everyone? What's up, chat? I am so, so, so incredibly sorry. My little one was fighting the bedtime and i didn't have my phone so i couldn't let the boys know so my bad everybody what's up chat good to see everybody i'm finally here glenn how's it going brother oh it's going well man i'm glad to see you i'm glad to see everything's okay i was a little uh i thought it had something to do with the little ones as as, you know i have young son you know we all have all us parents get it but i'm just glad to hear it's nothing uh you know more serious of course no, uh-huh. just a fussy baby. <laughs> yeah, under, uh, understood. But I, I love the breakdown you did. Um, but you did, you did a lot. But uh, specifically, you know, the late game collapse that we saw from the Ravens. But I got a bunch of uh, questions here, and I'm going to get to that one in due time. But I got to ask you a couple things first and foremost. Um, Kyle Van Noy is 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 why everyone's saying he's on his way. He's going to be signed here. In the very near future. Okay, confirmed. We'll be here. So my first question, Cole, is what does he bring uh, and and how does he kind of fit into this group? But my second would be, does this mean that we might not be seeing Adafi Owe or Ajabo or Bowser for quite some time? So I can tell you right now that Owe was still in a walking boot for uh, a week after the initial injury. So he was still wearing a walking boot this weekend. So I would say that is not a good sign. Um, David Ojabo was, he's definitely, I would expect him to possibly miss a practice, maybe be limited, but I think he's closer to playing out of the three of them uh, than anyone. I think the biggest thing with Van Noy is just, he's not in, like, I think he was flying to Baltimore today. He's got to do all of the, let's call it logistics, paperwork, like that sort of thing tomorrow. I don't even think he'll be able to get on the practice field tomorrow. So will he go into a game with two practices? Now the question is, what does he bring? Um, What had me so intrigued with Kyle Van Noy when they looked at him earlier in the off season was very similar skill set to what Ty's browser brings you plays that Sam role really well. Um, has a little bit of pass rush juice, but, you know, sets a strong edge and can drop in coverage and do a lot of the versatile things Bowser did. So the first thing I thought of was more the impact of that has on Bowser versus the others. Cause I mean, Jeremiah moon played a ton of snaps. Um, it's not that he played bad by any means. I don't, I don't mean to, it was, I think that was his first, uh, regular season NFL game. So I'm not going to, you know, do do on the guy, uh, but he's not a starting caliber guy. He's not a guy you want out there for, you know, 
60, 70% snaps. Whereas Kyle Van Noy is a veteran. He'll be able to take on that Sam role opposite Jadavion Clowney, who's been a Clowney, who's been in the rush role. So that's really what I'm expecting to see there. Um, I think he brings a skill set that fits what Mike McDonald wants to do. Um, but I would say personally, I think it's a bad sign for getting Tyus Bowser back soon. But I also will not like that's not based on anything I've heard. I haven't heard a single update on Bowser. To be completely honest with you guys. I don't even know what his injury is. Like, I can't even get that information out of anyone. Uh, so I'm not sure what that is, but I will tell you, uh, I did hear, hear earlier today around noon that Van Noy was coming, the full intention to sign him. Earlier in the offseason, he was looking for about what Justin Houston got, which was a one-year $6 million deal. That deal was not something the Ravens wanted to go for. They brought Clowney in for much less. Now, obviously, as you know, time goes on, the market drops they finally found a fit uh, for the dollars and cents. So Van Noy will come in. Yeah, it's it's me and Jim we were talking about, like, in week one of the preseason, if you told us Clowney and Van Noy would be the starting edges uh, in week four, we'd be like, you're out of your mind. Um, but that looks like yeah, that's how it is. Sean Pisser, hey, Mandrews. I mean, Cole. So um, the lookalike, is, uh, it's just never going to escape you, Cole. I mean, it's always going to be with you. I wonder how um, Mark feels being compared to me. <laughs> <laughs> he probably goes, I'm not compared to him. He's compared to me. Is what he's saying. I might be older, but he is bigger and stronger than I am. <laughs> uh, I got to get your take on the O-line. You know, they, they got such glowing reviews after the Cincinnati game, able to hold them to zero sacks on Lamar Jackson, despite having two backups in there. What was your take on them this week, uh, their second week without their left tackle and at, without their center? Yeah, so I think the general theme with the offensive line this week was kind of Lamar was under pressure all day. So what I did is I went back and looked at all 38 uh, dropbacks to take, like I wanted to break down exactly where the pressure came from, who was letting up the pressure, how many pressures there were. I counted 11 pressures, two of which were unblocked pressures, which is just defensive scheme pressures like Kyle Hamilton sacks, for example, those are unblocked pressures. They just overloaded the line um, and the Ravens D line executed perfectly to, to get Kyle Hamilton as a free rusher. Um, so that was nine of the 38 uh, snaps were pressures allowed by the offensive line. Kevin Zeitler um, allowed three sacks, McCary one sack and John Simpson, no Mustafer, I charged with the sack on the low snap. So, I think here's what I would say. There was not a high quantity of pressure, but the problem was when there was pressure, it was high quality. And what that means is it's ending in a sack. Um, so it's not, you know, it wasn't a bunch of hurries where Lamar just has to speed up and, and scramble to throw the ball. It was, he's getting hit. He's, you know, getting guys in his face, getting the ball knocked out, that sort of thing. Um, so I don't want to, you know, minimize, you know, he's got to be better with the ball. Absolutely no disagreement there, um, but his offensive line can't allow sacks. So, I mean, that's how I would describe the offensive line play. Not a high quantity of pressure, but a high quality of pressure, which is not good as well. Mm, yeah, yeah, let's let's hope that those guys aren't too far. I mean, I, I guess, like, do you think Mustafer and, and McCary were, like, like, do you think it would have been a whole lot different had it been Linderbaum and, and Stanley in there? Uh, I didn't think McCary, the problem with McCary was he allowed, I charted as a, as a sack, which was just a, the sack he allowed was a clean beat, bad mm -hmm. rep, like nothing, nothing there, right? Like there's nothing yep. to defend. He didn't get enough depth in his, in his vertical set and he just got bent. Like there's nothing there. It's a bad, bad loss. Um, the second pressure he allowed was 
the one where Simpson and McCarry both got beat and Lamar spun out of it and ran for like 13 yards. Um, so that should have been a sack. So I guess, you know, would Stanley have allowed sacks? Probably not. Um, but, you know, I also don't think like that's 36 to 38 reps that I saw that weren't horrible, like not by right. any means. It was pretty average left tackle play, which average left tackle play, you know, 36 to 38 reps, if you're winning, you're probably in pretty good shape. So again, it's just the two losses being bad losses. It sticks in people's brains, right? You get that in your head. He got mm -hmm. beat all day. Mm -hmm. Tape doesn't show him getting beat all day. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Now, let's get into um, the – well, actually, you know, before we get into the late-game offense, I got to get your quick take on what you saw from Kyle Hamilton because – I don't know. I, I know most fans in Baltimore are well aware of who he is, but I think it was a bit of a coming out party to some people to get a, to get a load of what this guy can bring. Do you do you want to see? Did we see a change in his role uh, in the last couple weeks after the Mar Marcus Williams being officially not 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 going to be here, and then it also with our Darius Washington going down? Had did we see a big change in his role from the first two weeks to last week? No, you just nailed it. It wasn't so much Marcus Williams going out that changed his role significantly. Um, he was still playing. They basically brought Geno Stone in to play, be more of the free safety and left Kyle Hamilton in his role. But what we saw this week was him basically playing that slot role like what we saw last year. And they had Daryl Worley playing back there with Geno Stone. So I think they really didn't trust Arthur Millette, and I don't blame them. He's not very good. Uh, to come in there and replace our Darius Washington. They really wanted to get Kyle Hamilton back in that slot role. Um, especially with how much the Colts align Michael Pittman up there. That's a good matchup with a bigger physical DB versus a smaller slot corner. Um, so it was really what I see being um, what I see being the big shift was, was losing our Darius Washington, getting Kyle Hamilton in the slot. Yeah. Yeah. And he was unchecked everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, holy smokes. If, if we see, let's see the, uh, let's say the, um, that we see the return of Marlon Humphrey and we see some corners get back. Do you still think Kyle Hamilton will remain in this role uh, going forward, even if they get healthier at the cornerback position? I think it'll be matchup based. Like I think um, if they're going to play bigger physical, uh, bigger physical slot receivers, I think you will see it. Like I would imagine against the Bengals again, you might see that to match up when they put Chase and, and Higgins in the slot. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I, it doesn't sound like Ardarius is coming back, right? John said he's out for the year. Um, but, you know, when Marlon's back, that might be something they do where they, you know, reduce Marlon inside. Um, I don't think they're overly disappointed with how Darby and Stevens have played. Um, I don't think they've been world beaters by any means, but I also don't think they've been liabilities. So there's probably going to be a number of reps where you see, Marlon coming inside, playing that slot role like two years ago and uh, putting Hamilton back in the open field. But then, you know, it's that's what Mike McDonald, I think, does so well. He really finds positions for players to be in a, in, in a good position to succeed, right? And so you saw it all, all day. It's, you know, he played a lot in the slot, but he also played some deep. Um, so I think they're going to just adjust uh, based on the matchup. Gotcha. Now, I, I want to give you an opportunity to let fans know what you saw in those last couple possessions when the Ravens had an opportunity to get into field goal range to win the game. And they got they got really close, seemingly moved the ball quickly to midfield, but then absolutely stalled. So what went what kind of broke down those last couple drives and, and specifically the play where Lamar took the huge sack? Yeah, let's start there because that's obviously the biggest one to discuss. And you know so 
my issue is every time I've explained this is people go, you're making excuses for Lamar. And I'm not. I'm, you can't take a sack there, period. End of discussion. You cannot take that sack no yeah. matter what. But if the question is what happened on that play, the slot corner that was over top of Mark Andrews blitzed. And he did a late blitz. So where he's lined up with Mark. And once Mark released, he came down and blitzed. What Lamar did was look right up into the pressure where the blitz came from, which is what you're supposed to do. When it, you're getting pressured with um, either a late blitz or any blitz for that matter, you throw into the pressure because a guy's vacating that space, right? Mm -hmm. And Mark never turned back to the ball. He ran a seam directly up. He actually ran a little bit of an in-cut and then continued on a seam. He never curled into the ball. So basic, and the other three routes that were on that, because they had a six-man protection, they had a three-man trip set here, one man uh, on the boundary. It was a four verts. And the middle slot guy was, it was Andrews, Zay, and then I forget which receiver was on the, was on the boundary of the, of the trip side. He eventually did a curl 10 yards downfield. But when Lamar dropped back and the pressure came, all Lamar saw was the back of four purple jerseys. So again, you can't take that sack, throw it at their feet, do whatever you got to do. But it's also up to his receivers to know that they're the hot read. So as soon as he releases, you turn in. And we actually saw Mark Andrews, uh, at Chris just joking on Twitter, has a play where the, the Colts did the exact same thing, late blitz from the slot that was over top of Mark Andrews, and Mark just turned in after five yards, simple pitch and catch. That's how you beat these blitzes. You can't just run four verts into it. You're never going to have enough time with a blitz. But also at the same time, uh, Kevin Zeitler completely messed EJ Speed, the linebacker. Melvin Gordon stepped up a little late. They got beat. But again, so there was bad pass protection, a bad, you know, route, call it bad route by the by the tight end and Mark Andrews. But that doesn't mean that Mark that Lamar can still take that sack. So I'm not saying he's exonerated, not saying any of that. I'm just the question is what happened? That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, and look, I was bashing, I mean, I was. I was on here screaming, you cannot take that sack. And I still say that, but after the tape comes out, you see that, he, first of all, there was no chance for a completion. The best scenario is him throwing it in the dirt yeah. at the feet of a receiver. But that's the best scenario. And, of course, that's what he should have done. But let's not act like, oh, if he would have gotten the ball out, this guy would have caught it and ran for 20 yards. There was no opportunity to do that. Now, what's your take? I saw Ryan Clark. He gets on ESPN. He says, look. I'm not seeing anything innovative, which is quite contradictory to what he said the week before. But he says this looks like the same old Ravens, Cole. This team doesn't look uh, any different. And then uh, Shannon Sharp went on to say, I don't see, I think he used the word uniqueness, or I can't remember the exact word. I think he made up a word. Uh, but they're saying they're not seeing much difference from this year's Ravens offense to last year. So a guy who's seen all the tape, what's your take on on that? Yeah, I don't really get it. I mean, there's some very tangible differences. Like they they obviously play a lot lighter. You see a lot more eleven personnel. Like the 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 numbers are very clear about this. They ran a league low, like I think it was thirty nine percent eleven personnel this year. It's around sixty four. Um, that's a just based on how they line up the offense is is tangibly different. You see way less Pat Ricard. You see way less tight end sets. Um, they're playing a lot more three wide receiver sets. I think this game was a little bit different because they didn't have OBJ. They didn't run as much 11 personnel. They really wanted to be able to run the ball uh, with the pass game struggling. So they did play some heavier sets, but Ricard still didn't play like all game like he used to last year. Um, 
So when you, the, what I think they're referring to is Greg Roman loved four verts. He loved to push receivers downfield. And in the way he designed his offense, he wanted to use the run game to basically spread out horizontally. So that's why they ran the beer concept um, because you've got to bring up extra guys. You'd see those safeties, those slots coming up and, and spreading the defense. So the best way to beat a spread horizontal defense is to go vertical over them. And that was basically what Craig Roman wanted to go for. Um, and so you did see a little bit of that on Sunday, but I mean, that's just picking a couple plays and saying it looks the same. Um, I think what looked similar was just poor execution. You know, it was just, you know, guys missing reads, fumbles, that sort of thing. Like that's what looks similar to me. But in terms of the offensive design, I don't even think it's really that close. Like it's very clearly a different offense. Um, these same guys that are saying that were praising the creativity and, um, you, I forget which analyst came out and said it. Um, but they basically said that, you know, it's going to pay off in the long run because you've got to go through these bumps to implement this new offense. And once, you know, there was that, the, the one play before they got, uh, Tucker in field goal range on the Aguilar catch, mm -hmm. there was a, the play before that was the incompletion to Duvernay. Really good example. They basically just ran the four verts with the inside slot running that fading in route and Lamar eventually targeted Duvernay. That was very Greg Roman-esque. That play felt like something I'd see from Greg Roman in a must-pass situation. But what looked similar to last year was Lamar got the ball out late. It wasn't thrown with anticipation and it gave uh, time for that inside slot, or slot corner to make a play on Duvernay and disrupt the ball. Um, so things like that are happening, and that's just, you know, as this offense gets implemented, as they see looks, they play plays over and over again, things are going to get a little bit quicker. I would say the biggest thing is Lamar needs to play with a little bit better anticipation, get that ball out, and start leading receivers um, a little bit more. But I also think he did a really good job of that against Cincinnati. So it really comes down to consistency, and I think that's the problem with trying to identify the one thing that's hurting them. It's not necessarily that they can't do it. It's not that Lamar can't make those throws. Is that he's got to do it consistently. Yeah, it's. I think watching film of football has got to be, especially as like a coach, has got to be the most frustrating thing, Cole, because you pointed it out. And, and, and guys, you guys should should really check out the breakdowns Cole has over at Road Graders on YouTube because you do a great job of pointing out, like, it doesn't matter if 10 guys do their job perfectly. If one guy screws up their job in football, the play is toast and it looks horrible for everyone. And, and most of the time, the guy holding the ball it gets the blame, even though it's likely a guy who wasn't holding the ball is the guy really to blame for it especially in the run game like, like at the end when they were when they were trying to run the clock out and they came out heavy you, you did a great job of pointing out like maybe it wasn't the greatest play call and that it, but it one was guy on every play loses every guy it's one guy every yeah. time yeah it was first play i think it was morgan moses second play it was sam mustafer and i actually think the rest of the guys on the line did a really good job like you could see where the gaps would have been i don't think he was gonna gordon wasn't gonna break those runs um, for massive gains, but it would have gone for four or five yards, which is a lot better than one and then two, right? And then you're third and seven. Uh, so that, I, I completely agree. And I mean, it was clear as day. It just sucks when one guy is, you know, and it's not, the problem is too, it's not always the same guy. So you're asking <laughs> five guys up on the offensive line to go out and con execute consistently. But then it's like one guy this play, the other guy the next play, the third guy the next play. And then it's like, well, how do you fix that? Like, how do you fix one guy screwing up every five plays like it, it's tough man it's tough yeah and it's always seems like it's a different thing as well now 
I'm going to put you on the hot seat here, Cole, because you made a mistake earlier today when you tweeted out the Ravens are getting reinforcements back with the big eye emoji. So <laughs> now we're live here on YouTube, and I got to know, fine. I mean, what can you give us as to who these reinforcements might be? So what I've been told is, I again, I already shared a Jabo earlier. I think, I don't want to say he's going to play, but I think he's going to get a limited practice in at least this week and be close to playing. Um, so I think Ojabo is going to be getting back in there soon. I'm expecting us to see Ronnie Stanley get a practice in. I don't think it'll be tomorrow. I think it's going to be a limited practice on Thursday. He's pushing to play this Sunday. Marlon is also pushing to play again. He's going to probably get at least a limited in. The big question is where's his conditioning at because he hasn't played in a few weeks. Um, so again, I'm not going to say he's going to play because I'm not in the building. I don't know what his conditioning level is. Um, Justice Hill should be able to get back out there. And I was told Gus Edwards was pretty, pretty progressing well through concussion protocol. So I think Gus will be able to play uh, next weekend. So, I mean, they are going to like be prepared folks, because tomorrow's injury report, it's Wednesday going into a, a divisional game. It's probably going to look like a CVS receipt. Um, and they did lose more players than they did before, but I think they got a few coming back as well. And what's the what's your opinion to stay the wide receiver room with Tylen's injury? Oh, sorry, great. Yeah. OBJ is going to play. I was told oh OBJ yes. Is on track. Sorry, I completely missed the lead there. I was told OBJ <laughs> is going to play on Sunday. Wow, that's a yeah. big get because yeah. like what do you know anything more about Rashad Bateman or like, like what when Should did the fine. injury? Okay, okay, yeah. he's he'll be back. Do you think he'll be back there this weekend as well? Uh, I'm expecting again, he's probably going to have a DNP tomorrow and it'll be a little concerning, but I think what folks need to pay attention to is they're being very careful with some of these practices. Like even before Ronnie got hurt, he had those DNPs on Wednesdays. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that was looked at as almost load management, like what you see in the NBA, but in the NFL, and that's rare. We don't really see that with guys, you know, nursing, longer term significant injuries usually it's like once they're back they're back um mm -hmm. so i'm i'm expecting we're going to see a little bit more of that from some of the vets that have had injury concerns um so i think it's going to be one of those things where wednesdays come around and that injury list gets long and you're like what the heck but then on the next day i think you see some limiteds and then possibly some fulls on friday yeah, they could certainly use it with this team coming up. The Browns, I think, number one right now in the league on defense, which is terrifying. And you look at Zadarius, Miles Garrett. Oh, man, I hope I hope you're right about Ronnie Stanley because Miles Garrett looks absolutely terrifying. Did you see the clip where they were chasing him with, with tight ends as he was yeah. running from either side of the line? It's horrible. <laughs> I mean, it's this guy, he's got yeah. me a little nervous here. Cole, I mean, what's your quickly, your your early re, uh, kind of expectations on how they're going to handle that pass rush? I think they're going to have to go back to what they did against Cincy, play action, keeping extra guys in, quick pass game. Um, I think they got away from that a little bit too much against the Colts, and I think they I think they overlooked how good this Colts D-line is. And I, I've talked about their D-line a ton going into the game. Um, I, not only did I think their starters were good, I just thought they were deep. Like they were constantly when they're rotating guys in, it's not scrubs coming off the bench. They had a deep group. Um, Deo Odingba, uh, Odingba, uh, came up, came off and had a sack off the bench. Right. Like, and that's a guy replacing a guy like Quiddy pay who's playing good in his own right. So, um, I think they overlooked it. I think they tried to play a little bit too vertical on some of those concepts and they used a ton of five man protection. So, 
Um, you know, even when things got tough, they still came out in the fourth quarter. That last drive that we took a look at in that video, um, sorry, the the second drive that led to the, the Lamar sack, ton of five-man protection. So they really didn't I, – I think they overlooked what the Colts D-line could do. Mm, yeah, well, they certainly won't be caught off guard with Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith. Know those two very, very well. So let's hope that uh, next week's pass – or really offensive line play in general – is, is a little more sharpened up. Well, Cole, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, don't forget, guys, Cole will be back with us next Tuesday. But also, in the meantime, if you have not done so, go subscribe to, to his YouTube channel, Road Graders. Check out those videos. Gives you a little bit better insight instead of just looking at the broadcast view where you're very limited in what you can see. Uh, does a great job of breaking down the film, making it easy for a guy like me who's just an average fan to understand all the intricacies of uh, of the play thanks so much for joining us cole appreciate it we'll talk to you next week thanks a lot man thanks a lot chat see you guys out there peace out yeah it's always nice having cole on to uh you know to to break it down a little more in depth um hey dk what's going on buddy as he pops in and pops right on out there. Uh, he had the look of a kid with his hand in the cookie jar there um but no, it's, it's it's really interesting because look, the quarterback's going to get most of the blame, uh, but and not to say he didn't deserve some, he certainly did. But uh, this was a team loss, no doubt about it. This was this was a a group effort to lose to this Colts team. And look, uh, the the good news is every team has its warts. Outside of maybe Miami right now, every team has has been beaten and looks beatable in the AFC. Excuse me, on in the AFC. So, hey, let's go out there. I like our guys. They're getting healthier, as you heard from Cole. They're going to be getting some key cogs, hopefully back uh, this week. And if if not this week, certainly next week. So, uh, look, it was a tough loss, but I'm still confident going forward that the Ravens have everything in front of them, can accomplish every one of their goals. Uh, but, look, we'll be back. That's it for us tonight. We will be back Friday. Uh, with our live pregame show to get you ready for the matchup with the Cleveland Browns. We will have a guest uh, who, who represent, who's a member of the, the Cleveland media who will come give us the inside scoop on all things Cleveland Browns. Let us know how they're looking coming up into this matchup. Um, but yeah, let us know if you want to get out some final vents and, and anything you want to get off your chest before you turn the page next week, do so in the comments below. Uh, appreciate you guys joining me. That's it for us tonight. See you.